And then we get like an amazing, like here's where we get all our credits, you know, for this movie. And, yeah. you know, it's just, it's wandering around this image of, or this actual... Frozen Stallone. Yeah, frozen, frozen Stallone, which is an actual real dummy. Apparently, like, Stallone took that dummy with him and donated it to one of the Planet Hollywood uh, restaurants that he opened up later on. It's somebody's coffee table now. It's a kind of a weird house somewhere, I guarantee it. <laughs> yes, him completely nude. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's probably, like, cigarette ash sitting on it right now, like an old Taco Bell bag. <laughs> well, that would be poetic, wouldn't it? This is Jesse Ventura. You're listening to Children of the Adams. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. We are the Children of the Adams. That's Brian. I'm Aaron. And we're here to discuss movies and, you know, hopefully only movies, but we'll see how far we get. Uh, this week's episode is going to be a really good one. We are heading back to the, the yesteryear of 1993 and covering what is arguably Sylvester Stallone's greatest movie, and that is Demolition Man. Man, that's that's a strong statement, though. Best. Yes. And I, I, I would like to thank uh, Governor Ventura for the nice intro since he's in this movie. It's only fitting that he intro the show for us this week. Indeed. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple of cameos in this thing, even a few people before they were really, really famous. Yeah, that was the strangest one to me, I think, is when I actually sat down and watched it as like a proper adult, and after he was super famous, it's like, oh, shit. That doesn't make like, sense. Was that really who I think it was? Yeah. Well, we'll yeah. talk about it. Sure, shit was, yeah. Uh, for those of you unaware, uh, Demolition Man is... <sighs> yeah, I, I think it might be Sloan's best movie. I mean, I, arguably, it really might be. At least it's it's his most fun movie. Like, you know, if you don't include, like, the, you know, the more dramatic movies, like, which arguably, you know, generally received... <laughs> They're they're more liked uh, by the general population than some. I don't know if Demolition Man has a more cult following than it does like a popular following, but man, it's it's probably his most fun movie. I will agree with you on that. I, I he he's got some really I don't I don't ever want to say it's like great films. Like there's nothing Comedic I would chops. say. Yeah, Rocky <laughs> is a fantastic film. Okay. Yeah. You know, he gets credit for I don't I don't I don't think it's so much his acting, but you know, yes, he won an Oscar for the writing of it. It's a really great film. Check it out. Rambo First Blood too, very solid. Rambo, yeah, the First Blood movie is is pretty decent. Uh, but that's mm-hmm. still it's not like a fantastic film. It's just a decent film cuz it's <laughs> it's entertaining. It's it tells a good story. Yeah. But everything else, yeah. you know, is just action, you know, schlock that he does. But he just yeah. does it better than most other action stars, you know. He does, right? What is it about him? Like, it's just his movies are just like, man, like they really fucking hit. Well, he was arguably the king of the 80s, right? I mean, he, him and, St- you know, yeah. and Schwarzenegger, you know, they, they had the ultimate competition of who was king of action stars in the 1980s and even mm-hmm. into the 1990s. Um, yeah. And that's a tough one. I mean, were you when you were growing up in the 80s, I mean, were you more of a Stallone fan or were you a Schwarzenegger fan? That, it depends on whose movies were on at the time, really. Like, you know what I mean? But, but I think uh, per volume, I think Stallone put out more movies at the time. So I think my allegiance might have been more towards him. And then Arnold really started coming back on like super strong, like, you know, in the 90s. And then from there, you know, we ended up where we are today with both those gentlemen. So. Yeah, I, I have like almost the opposite of that. Like growing up, I remember just being all Schwarzenegger. Like I, I would yeah. watch early films, like other films that I probably shouldn't have been watching as a young child. You know, Commando, Terminator. Something Conan related. Conan, yeah. yes. Like Conan, I remember seeing Conan the Destroyer. You know, and I just loved it. And like, the, like all of a sudden, you know, Stallone or sorry, Schwarzenegger was like God at that time. And then I knew yeah. 
of Stallone. And it wasn't until I, until like Stallone started to come out the stuff in the late eighties into the nineties that I was like, Oh, I'm starting to appreciate more of what Stallone did, you know, as opposed right. to Schwarzenegger. So it's usually like that though. Like you, you end up in one camp or the other, you know, it's not like, Hey, I just, I consumed everything and I thought both were the best, you know, it's you, you right. pick one or the other. I really, I, I really like, you know, they're arguably they would, if you were to ask somebody who's the biggest action star, like ever, it it would be Sloan and Schwarzenegger. Like undoubtedly, would be the the names you would hear most often. I think if you just took a random poll, like you know, around the world. But my favorite one is it's Van Damme. Van Damme does it better than both these two guys. My, okay, well, opinion. I'll disagree with you on that. But that's we we're all entitled <laughs> to our opinions. He ha- he's got comedic timing when he needs to, but most times they don't really rely on it, which is smart. You know what Co- I mean? Comedic he timing. I mean, kicks, we, he gets all cut. This movie we're watching, man. I mean, Stallone is showing. That oh, he's Stallone's got timing in this. Comic yeah. chops. I mean, this is he I, does. He's tried to do other comedies. I think in this one. We're going to talk about it, but I think his his comic timing in this one is pretty spot on for what it is. Yeah, and it helps. Like the this script was pretty good. Like you know, it's not. It, it doesn't really drag. Like there's no real filler scenes in it. I mean, it's it moves at a pretty good pace to where you don't really question a whole lot of what you see. You're just you're hanging on for the fucking ride in this one. Yeah, this movie feels much shorter than it really is. Like it clocks in, I believe, at 115 <laughs> minutes. But it, like you're was right, it, really? it feels it feels shorter than that. It felt like it was like start to finish, and like you were like, oh, was that even feature length? Because everything I can't is just believe that going. was almost two hours long. Yeah. There's no way. It didn't feel like it, though, wow. does it? It doesn't feel like Hell it at no. all. No, man. Maybe with TBS commercial breaks. True. <laughs> <be> fucking two <laughs> yes. hours long. But, man, I wouldn't say straight through. That's surprising. Yeah. But I, I like I, I felt the speed, like, especially I've seen this film at least 10 times in my life. And yeah. I think this time when I was just really paying attention to, you know, when you get the, the notepad out and you're starting to just kind of take some notes and stuff, but you realize you're like, God, right. this is going really, really fast. And it's like, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, at times you, you find yourself putting the pencil down and just like, Oh, I got to watch this part. And then, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, it's a very good film that way. So it's, it's interesting. I, I I'm ready to talk about it. This is going to be fun. Yeah. To, uh, to cover the plot uh, briefly for those who haven't seen it yet. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> Set in the year 1996, the hellscape that is uh, downtown LA, basically. It looks just like, you know, if Outworld had invaded LA and, you know, Mortal Kombat was taking place right there. That's basically what 1996 LA looked like in this movie. Uh, there's, there's a super criminal by the name of Simon, Simon Phoenix has all of LA uh, under lockdown. It's under his control. Him and his his, uh, his gang have kidnapped a, a bus full of, of innocent people, and there's only one that can, that can stop them, and... That's LAPD Sergeant John Spartan, uh, a.k.a. the Demolition Man, because he goes in and demolishes things. <laughs> That's played by Sylvester Stallone. Uh, long story short, they have a big face-off pretty early on into the movie. Uh, and through some, some plot twists I won't reveal, both men end up uh, in jail. But what jail is now is what they're going for is that they're going to cryogenically freeze both these men. And while they're being frozen, they're going to try to reprogram their minds with... Uh, you know, fucking signals like alpha wave. I don't know if they ever fully explain the science behind that. They just said basically like, you know, you're just, you're in this fucking frozen block of ice and you come out, you'll be very subdued and you'll be uh, a contributing member uh, to society. So fast forward uh, a number of decades uh, through, uh, at the time, an unexplained event, Simon Phoenix is being questioned about a possible parole, which I don't know how he was being questioned before. Like, shouldn't Spartan have been up for parole first? You'd think. Like, anyway. Yeah, you'd think. 
<laughs> during his parole hearing, Simon Phoenix escapes, and then uh, there happens to be one old one old timey cop on the force still from 1996, and he suggests John Spartan because he's the one who captured him. So they unfreeze John Spartan, and then from there, as you would uh, surmise from the name of the movie Demolition Man, uh, calamity ensues, and uh, we're along for the fucking ride on this one, as uh, the future can only be saved by John Spartan. Yep. So. That's it. That's a pretty. That's a pretty good, accurate uh, plot summary. You know, <laughs> I mean, kind of skipping over the final, but we'll we'll talk about it as we get there. So let's yeah, let's start yeah, with sure. this opening scene as we're you know yeah. So remember, this movie came out in '93, so it's taking place. <laughs> At they weren't really time, too hopeful about about the future at that yeah, point. Yeah, three really. years into the future, and yeah. you know we, we go over the Hollywood sign, which is burning, and then you <laughs> see like this huge scape over the I don't I don't know if it, what what mountains they are that the Hollywood sign is on, but you know you come over that mountain range, and then you see like Los mm-hmm. Angeles is just on fire, and it looks yeah. to me like. I, what I got out of it was like straight out of Blade Runner. You know, it looked like Los Angeles yeah. from that time. Mm-hmm. But th- I, I was also reading that they also wanted to make it look like the aftermath of L.A. after the L.A. riots in 93, which apparently happened oh. like six months prior to this, you know, the film wrapping up on this thing. So uh-huh. I think they were kind of mixing both and making it look really nice because it does it does look very hellish, you know. Yeah, it for sure. Like the world is like literally falling apart. And yeah, Simon Phoenix has carved out his own plot in South Central Los Angeles and says, hey, nobody comes down to, here. To the point to where, like, all sir, like, mailmen don't go there. Like, nobody goes there to shop or anything like that. And apparently bus drivers just didn't get it, and he felt the need to, to make an example of them. Yeah, and this this doesn't seem like a very wise business choice on Simon Phoenix's part because isn't, like, organized crime all about having businesses there that you can extort and all that? But if you run all those people away, what are you doing but just living right. in a layer to be evil right the way i understood it but due to my uh my growing up with comic books is that he's a comic book villain and this just is how they work they're like this whole yeah. area is mine now and everyone's like fucking okay joker yeah you get arkham island you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i mean yeah you gotta you gotta kind of look at it like that because yeah yeah and then you definitely need the comic book lens for this one for and then sure. and then here's the other question is why is a bus full of people going into that area <laughs> if there's like nothing else going on there in this area they really do have the best use of the Hollywood sign from Simon Phoenix's backyard so that's true. you gotta do that yeah I mean yeah it's still a good tour spot right yeah for sure uh, I mean, you're not gonna go all the way to LA and not see the sign but then yeah we're introduced right to our hero at that point and you know he's flying in on a on a like this this police horse has like amazing military equipment man maybe maybe it's what the For LAPD sure. really looks like today but yeah you know yeah he comes flying like stealth in. attack choppers and I uh, I will say I did something that kind of about his tough guy persona like you know it's it's Stallone so you expect like you know like he's just gonna be a badass kind of guy they made an outfit choice for him when he, when he's actually doing his demolitioning that uh he's he's wearing like a beret yep while he's doing it and it's just I don't know, man. It, it just, it bothered me as a kid. And even today, like, we watched it, like, I couldn't stop staring at the fucking beret, like, the entire time it was on his head. Well, see, now now that you mention it, though, like, I'm saying, like, it fits now because it's it's a part of that comic book hero persona. Oh. You know, that's what it, it, it kind of is. Like, he's an action hero mm. coming off the pages of a of a comic book. See, this beret is like a switch. And when I flip him yeah. right backwards, I'm like a machine. Nice callback. And back. then I go busting crime. That's yeah, because I mean, he's got to save his life there. You know, it's catch, catch a maniac, or send a maniac to catch a maniac. Send a maniac to catch a maniac. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, I mean, he, he <laughs> oh like, my god, that's such a comic book tad like too. That that'd be on the fucking cover art underneath his boot. Yes, 
And this guy, but I mean, this, so he jumps out of a goddamn helicopter from like a hundred feet oh, yeah. up. It's from like well up. on a, just a rope, not a, not a mm-hmm. bungee cord, nothing. Just like a rope. Like, nope. like it seems like that would have snapped his neck or his back or something as he was like getting to the yeah. bottom of it. Cause like he gets down, snaps, just jumps off and then right away, just blowing enemies away. Like just, it, yeah. Instantly kicking ass. Like he, he does this whole big pirouette fucking rope slam onto this roof through, like through glass even, I think. And just fucking. Gets up and he's off to the races. And there's and like methodically going floor to floor and just wiping out Simon Like it's Phoenix's a video hoods. game, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Video game is a very good way to describe this. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's explosions going around and then he finally meets up with Phoenix. And yep. for some reason, Phoenix is sitting the in hostages, a room. Phoenix. Yeah. Like, yeah. once again, like you said, comic book like he's sitting in a room just surrounded <laughs> by tanks yeah. of gasoline and C4 yep. explosives. Yep. And he's like, just hanging out. It just makes no sense. Like, where, like, where does somebody like this get all this equipment? Batman. <laughs> yeah, he does get those wonderful toys, right? Yeah, he does. And then, you know, they have some tough to exchanges, you know, and they're just swapping quips. And then, you know, being Wesley Snipes being Wesley Snipes, like, too, he's not, like, your typical kind of bad guy movie villain. You know, you he can kick a lot of ass on his own right, too. So they have... They do have some good fight scenes in this movie. Like, the times when... Spartan and uh, Phoenix go at it like they. I love the fucking action scenes between the two of them. I love terrific. I love the fact in this movie that we start off with our, you know, protagonist and antagonist both like they just go at it like within the first seven minutes of this movie. And yeah, it's like a finale showdown, like in the opening act. Yeah, but but it's there to show you how badass they are. And I'm gonna say it mm-hmm. right now. I love Wesley Snipes in this movie. Uh, yeah, this was this was like Wesley Snipes was this kind of starting to take off during this time, you know, before he really got famous in the in the mid and late 90s. Mm. Man, the guy is just phenomenal as an action star. Like he yes. is a legitimate black belt. And I was reading like they told him he had to slow his kicks and all, the, all those moves down because it was showing up as blurry messes on the camera. So he actually had to Ridiculous. slow himself down to make himself like the fight scenes look and show up on film. It's it's incredible. Yeah. But we, but yeah. <laughs> I watched Blade. I watched Blade just fucking last night, man. I, I, I will give like, like all all shitty you know special effects aside. Blade's a pretty fun movie to watch. It is it it is amazingly fun. Yeah, the special effects do not like hold up, but man, the rest of the movie is very entertaining. I give him that. Yeah. I know. Even Steven Dorff. <laughs> Jesus, I forgot the guy's even in that movie. Oh, man, I know. And then that dude, he looks kind of like a melted version of Crispin Glover. Anyway, we're, I, I, but I digress. Back to yeah. Demolition Man. Yeah, so we're, we're back to our heroes. They, like, Simon Phoenix is subdued by Job Spartan. and Right. But... And not only subdued, too, like, he kicks his ass and then carries him out of the compound as it's exploding burning, around Burning, yeah. Yeah. And and this sets up though. This sets up, which I have to say, is probably one of the best explosions I've ever seen on film. Like Man. that is a real building that they actually blew up, and it looks <sighs> like it. Like, uh, God, where was it? I think it's it was in big. Kentucky that I read that it was it's some big ass explosion. Yeah, some abandoned building, some factory that they just they didn't want anymore. And apparently, like MTV at the time had a uh, promotion going on where you entered this contest, and if you won, you got to be the person to push the button. 
<laughs> oh no filming. shit yeah so, oh that'd have been pretty cool yeah so but this yeah this explosion if you haven't seen this movie it's it's worth just see this explosion because it's, it's amazing it's, <laughs> it's just big it's legitimate yeah there was so much so many carcinogens put into the air that night you, you, oh you yeah to be sure. within 50 miles of any town that was around that place we're still paying the price for it in this decade <laughs> yes. i'm sure just for that explosion alone yeah but yeah, as it turns out the big twist though is so spartan was there to rescue 12 hostages or, or a, bu- a busload of hostages busload yeah. yeah he says he does like a thermal scan of the whole of thing couldn't see anybody but as he's bringing simon phoenix out and they're arresting him simon phoenix says oh no they were in there they were alive he just let them all die so that's how our hero ends up just going to jail yeah or, or getting put on trial i guess and sent to prison yeah and they didn't really show the trial. Like he just goes straight from Simon Phoenix saying that to fucking him being be, getting ready to be cryogenically frozen. So we can assume the trial did not go too well for Officer Spartan. Yeah, I mean he's getting sentenced to seventy years. Yeah, right. And apparently he had had a pretty legendary track record before that of saving a lot of people. You think that it might have bought him some leniency? You think? No. I mean, this was it's also the frosty goo. It was the also you know the early nineties where you know cops pretty much got away with anything. I mean, they still do, especially but... in L A. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, being what I just said earlier, six months earlier, there was a riot you know, yeah. that happened in that town because of police brutality. So, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe, maybe this was the, the, the film director and all them sending a message saying, yeah, this is us holding police accountable. Right. Because he does, I'd love to be he does able to look at the, the director's, uh, I'd love to be able to look at the director's other work beyond this, but this was the only movie, like the last movie he directed, actually. So. Yeah, it is a gem. I mean, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe you just want to go out on top. Right. Oh no, I'm sorry. Uh, it was the the first movie, he, the first movie he directed. The second movie and last movie he directed was uh, something called Excess Baggage with Alicia Silverstone and Benicio del Toro. Never seen it. Never even heard of it. Me neither. I'm sure it was terrific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As the man uh, never worked again. <laughs> yeah. So fast forward to the to the gooing scene. You, you have a, a warden walking. Uh, John Spartan through a very sci-fi facility. It looks like, you know, a xenomorph could pop out at any moment kind of look. Uh, and he's, you know, breaking him through his whole sentence down. He's like, you know, it's the year so-and-so. You'll be eligible for parole. Like, in it's like, how many years is 70 he? years. It's something like 70 years he's sentenced to. But he's eligible for parole in like 60? Yeah, something, something like, like that, that, right? Yeah. Yeah. 2040-something or something like that. I don't remember exactly. Right. And the whole time, you know, that, that he's rattling, the, the warden's rattling off things, skip it. And you just skip it, you know, because he's trying to, like, you know, let's get this show on the road already. And then uh, the actual freezing part in the goo, like, st- this is our big, like, action shot of Stallone. Like, he, he is the most shredded oh, I've ever fucking seen this person. Yeah. He's, it's ridiculous. Like, there's just, there's steam blowing everywhere, and he's just all lathered up in baby oil like he's fucking Hulk Hogan from 84. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, he's very much from the old Rambo days, man. Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. Just completely Rambo, too, if he'd have had, like, a, like, that long hair, dude, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but, I mean, this is, so this is, apparently, Stallone was saying, too, that it's, like, one of the most uncomfortable scenes he's ever had to do. Like, he was terrified. He's fully nude for that. Yes. Yeah, isn't he? Standing there fully nude, uh, at least, the best I can tell, he, he appears to be fully nude. But then, yeah, he's getting actually locked in a container, you know, that's actually filling with some liquid, so he's got to, like, squirm around. Like I, It's I, like a giant clear it. hockey puck they have him in, but he can't stand fully up. He's basically on his knees as they're slowly filling this fucking coffin with uh, clear, viscous goo. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's not yeah. water, but yeah, it's, it's, no. it's got, yeah, much more of a it's oily feel to it. it. Yeah, it's just, yeah. oh. Like, he gets some in his mouth, he spit it out, and you're just like, oh, my God, this is horrible. Yeah. 
He looks like it. He starts like beating on the glass. It's like, okay, somebody let Sylvester Stallone out of there, please. Like, I started to get worried for him at that point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure he was thinking the same thing because I, I would feel the same way if I was stuck <laughs> in some capsule with, oh, yeah, these people who may or may not be do- knowing what they're doing, but they're filling this stuff up with some liquid. Yeah, I right. want out of here. Right. Why does everything smell like vanilla? I don't know. Just shut up. They flavor it because it's gross. Yes. <laughs> so, he, so then, he, yeah, he gets frozen with technology they don't explain, which I get, you know. If you don't have to, just move right. Yeah, along, it's not important. Right? You just understand that this little little pill thing that drops in there and just instantly freezes anything it touches. Yep, like a little sub zero ball of essence. Just yes. right and then up. we get like an amazing like here's where we get all our credits, you know, for this movie. And yeah, you know, it's just it's wandering around this image of or this actual frozen Stallone. Yeah, frozen frozen Stallone, which is an actual real dummy. Apparently, like Stallone. Took that dummy with him and donated it to one of the Planet Hollywood uh, restaurants that he opened up later on. It's somebody's coffee table now. It's a kind of a weird house somewhere, I guarantee it. Yes, him completely nude. Oh, yeah. Just there. There's probably, like, cigarette ash sitting on it right now, like an old Taco Bell bag. <laughs> yeah. Well, that would be poetic, wouldn't it? Yeah. Wouldn't it? Oh, see, look at that. Didn't even yes. look at that. Oh, I thought you were intentionally going there. Okay. Oh, yeah, or Pizza Hut, depending on if it's depending on which country you're in. Yeah, if you're not in the United yeah. States, yeah, it would have been Pizza Hut. Yeah. So we'll but they get also to it. too, uh, don't, they show Simon Phoenix frozen at this point too, so that we understand like they're both in the same cryogenic prison together. Yeah. Well, we'll also learn that like all criminals from all over the country are being put there. Like some of the worst people in the world are being put there. We we learned right. that at the end. Right. <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, we're going through there and we see that. And then we skip right ahead to, what is it, 2034 or 2032? 2032. So we, we fly ahead 36 years. Yep. And that's, as you said in your plot summary, uh, they appear to have like, like, I don't get this whole thing. Like, why do they have parole hearings for people that are frozen in ice? Right. I mean, what... to see it to see if they're you know if their frozen programming is is up to code yet. I don't know. Yeah, I don't get the point of the hearings at all. Yeah, it seems pretty arbitrary and made up that like right. we have to get some reason to get them out of the ice. So right. yeah, we got to have random parole hearings just so they can say, well, no parole denied. Go back in the freezer. Right. <laughs> I mean, it makes now no you got to figure too. Being cryogenically frozen has to be pretty bad for the heart. So being frozen and unfrozen and possibly frozen again in a day would probably suck. Yeah, but what I mean, and what what is the prison supposed to say? Like, hey, are you real? Have you learned anything? Right. Uh, no, I, you put me into ice and I right. blacked out and it feels like yesterday I just went in. So tell me, right. what am I supposed to learn? Don't uncuff me because I'm going rough. I'm going to commit, commit so many crimes right now. Yeah, I might want to knit, but I also want to kill somebody. Right, yeah, for sure. It's yeah. It yeah, I don't really get the point of the uh, of the hearings. That's a hell of a good point. Yeah, it's it's just written and there's a plot device to get them out of the ice. That It's, it's the only yeah, thing I could come up with. that's all it is. Yeah, but it, as we're as we're to understand too is that when, we're, when we first uh, flash forward into the future, it's a very it's a very clever thing. Like there's ice on the outside of one of these containers, and someone just wipes away, and it says year 2032. It's like okay, here we are, and uh, we're introduced very quickly to the the modern utopia that is uh, the former cities of Los Angeles, San Diego, and Santa Barbara. It's now a a megapolis of yeah, San Angeles, San Angeles, and it's very. Uh, very futuristic, kind of like not really Hunger Games, but you know everyone's dressed very fancy. You can't really be offensive anymore. Uh, a lot of really weird laws and things like that have been have been put into place. Well, it's very. It, it pulls upon like like a lot of like you know dystopian future kind of stuff. But this is not so dystopian that everybody just like hates it. It's it's this world where you everything has really been stripped from you. But in return for that, you get to live in a world that's 
safe and without any real problems. Right. You know, because you're you're complete you're monitored at all times of what you do. You have no real rights to do anything you want except right. obey. So yeah. yeah, it's 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 depends on how you look at it. Some people would call that a utopia, some people would call that a dystopia. Right. I tend to be on the latter. You know, I, I'm yeah, I'm Stallone. I'm Team Stallone in this movie where he's like, Yeah, this is a lot of fascist shit that I don't want to be a part of. Right. Oh, yes. That's being unfrozen. That's just it's like what the fuck? Let me back. Well, it put, yeah, it puts like an amazing, like it shows the dichotomy that he's dealing with. You know, it's like, oh, you know, yeah, when I went in, the world was a rotting cesspool. Now I'm coming out here in this like, you know, la la land where everybody just listens to show tunes and, you know, doesn't, yeah. doesn't have sex. You know, I mean, it would be like, okay, mm-hmm. what the hell's going on here? There's not, nothing that I love is here in this world. It's still here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no meat, no salt. Anything is bad for you. You can't drink. You yep. can't do anything like that. Everything is laid out for you and says, if it's good for you, you can have it. If it's bad for you, you don't get a choice. You don't get to have it. Right. Now, I have a question, and I know it wasn't covered in the movie anywhere, but is are we to understand that the whole world is like this now? Or is it just the area of San Angeles where this people, like, is it... You know, is like Minnesota still fucking, you know, beer and cheese? Or is it like this place, like yeah. in 2032? I've always taken it, and I agree with you, it's not really addressed in the movie. I've always taken right. it to believe that the world has gone that way. That that oh, this okay. Raymond Cocteau, this architect, has helped design the world to become better, you know, yeah. this way. So, I, I don't know. It seems That seems pretty grand in scope to just change the whole world, though, right? I would think... I mean, you would think that there's always somebody out there who's looking to take advantage of somebody else and saying, yeah, yeah. these people are like completely worthless or they're, you know, for lack of better words, as, as uh, Simon Phoenix likes to say, a pussy, pussy whoop society. You mm-hmm. know, you think somebody would come in and just like dominate them. But I guess that's yeah. why we're supposed to believe that the whole world's like this, because nobody wants to do anything that would disrupt this harmony, except for our other, you know, star in this movie our anti-hero and, yeah anti-hero yes because that's the kind of role he played uh yeah. back in the day um and all of a sudden his name is escaping me please help me here dennis leary dennis leary thank you yeah because i mean back during this time yeah he was always on like mtv and shit like he would do his weird rants you know and he, and yeah. he actually does one in this film but mm-hmm. yeah so we learned that yeah this whole society it's not totally equal because there are people who have just chosen. I believe they've chosen. I don't know if they were forced down there. It's once again, it's from that dystopian future of like the time machine where you got like all the people living above ground and you got the, the, the Eloy living around and then the, uh, the Morlocks living underground who've been forced under there because you, you stay down there, you do all the crappy work. We're going to stay up here and live in paradise. Right. But yeah, I think that's what they're, they're, they're I think they pulled a lot from the, from different stories when they were writing this thing. Yeah, I fucking think so too. Because I mean, his character isn't even needed at all. No, it's not. It really just it. He he's kind of. I mean, he plays a part in so much that he's just the MacGuffin to, you know, he. So our, uh, you know, Raymond Cocteau, the architect, has to thaw out Simon Phoenix because his whole society is totally inept and has no way of actually pursuing. Uh, What's his character's name in this movie? I man, uh, Edgar, Edgar Friendly. Edgar Friendly. Yeah, yeah. And so he's got nobody to to go out there and and 
track down this guy so he's got to track down like he he picks the like the the, the most awful criminal he could ever pick gives him like insane superpowers yeah, he, 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 he uses a missile to try to swat a fly yes basically. and thinks <laughs> like oh yeah i just got to kill one guy so yeah right. and then and then i don't think he really thought it out like how he was going to catch the guy and put him back in the ice well, he had that uh, in a very RoboCop sort of way. He had that fourth protocol where he yeah, directed four an OCP. Yeah, he couldn't harm an OCP employee. Like, like, would it make sense to implant, like, saying you couldn't uh, hurt anybody? You know, that's good. Except anybody for but Edgar, Edgar friendly. friendly. Yes. Yeah, that you know, it, semantics. But uh, no, I, he can't do that because actually part of his plan too is to create a lot of havoc and stuff like that. Because Cocteau, right, because for some reason, wants to, to up his even, game. Like he wanted to make society even more of a utopia than what it was. Like you know what I mean? Like I don't. His motivate like I get him trying to get take care of Edgar Friendly, like you know the free thinker and you know the, the disruptor to society and all that. But like beyond that, it's like I didn't understand what else he was needed for. Yeah, his whole plot was like, oh, I need to make this more restrictive and all that stuff. Like I don't get it. Like right. what else How? is he going to do right. that he hasn't already done? I mean, yeah. people can't procreate; they can't do anything without his approval. Yeah weird and he runs everything he runs the jails the police everything so yep. i mean what what everything. else does he really want everything everywhere yeah it's a good question yeah but like i said though i think it goes back to that whole comic book thing like he's the he's the opposite of uh you know the the not necessarily a yin to the yang kind of thing you know he's just the other villain in this movie like he's one yeah. pulling the strings but once again his motivations are so thin he's just evil because he's evil Right, that's just it. That's all you gotta know. Like, and he's British too, so obviously he's a bad guy. Obviously, it makes it very yeah. easy, very easy to follow. Um, so yeah, after uh, during his parole hearing, Simon Phoenix then escapes, uh, and in doing so too, we learn just how ineffective today's police society in in San Angeles would be. And there, he basically blows through like thirty cops inside of a couple of minutes, and they're all freaking out. They don't know what to do. Uh, it, it turns out there's still one extremely uh eld elder policeman on the force uh one of the helicopter pilots from john spartan's zachary first, lamb uh, zach lamb yeah who uh flew, uh flew john spartan into his last face off with uh yep. with simon phoenix before the the big freeze and then we're off and running but also to this point too we had not mentioned that uh we're introduced pretty early on. As soon as we get into 2032, we're introduced to uh, a, a local police officer played by Sandra Bullock, Officer Lenina Huxley. Now, was this her – this is her first kind of like big break, right, Sandra Bullock? I think this, this was her first big budget film that she was actually on. I mean, and this thing did have it a pretty was. big budget for the time, you know, 50 to $60 million. Damn. Um, she had like particip- or been in like movies such as – I think like Love Potion number nine. If you've seen that movie, um, I've heard of it. I not, not a, not a it. great movie, but it's 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 entertaining if you like kind of rom com kind of thing. Um, okay. She was in The Vanishing as the uh, you know just a, a small really turned out to be a small part in that movie. But yeah, oh, she that hadn't was, done anything. Uh, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges, yeah, and Kiefer Sutherland, yeah. which is that's a pretty decent movie. If you haven't seen that one, it's very entertaining. It's been a long time. But yeah, but yeah this the, is so the movie that, that it really was just demolition. This is the first one that put her up. Yep, because this, because yeah, apparently, like on set, like she was like talking about her next movie, which is just some movie about a bus, and you know, and and not thinking that she should really do that. Like she was just kind of having those worries. Yeah, turns out like it came nineteen ninety four, the year after this movie, Speed with Keanu Reeves, oh, like was like one of the, the top movie. grossing movies uh, of of like that year. So it that like shot her into superstardom. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and she's never really looked back since because she's she's no. had a series of, of successful movies. Whether you like them or not is a different story, but she is she's done a lot of work since then, and and some of it nonstop, man. Yeah, yeah. I I think she's a pretty good actress. I I like seeing the most stuff that she does. Um, yeah. But yeah, she's but this is yeah you're right. This is really her start in a big budget world. And and did you know? That she wasn't even the first choice for this thing. She wasn't I even do. the first hired. You know who was hired for this thing? Yeah. I, I can't believe it. Lori Petty. Yeah, Tank Girl. Yes. And she yeah. starred with Keanu Reeves that year or the year prior in Point Break. In Point Break. I mean, yeah. can you I guess imagine? they really do look for the same kind of people for the same roles, don't they? I guess. But I mean, how different would this movie be with her in that role? Like, I would not like it. I don't think it'd be very different you know what i mean i think oh, she no, would would. Lena huxley just fine sandra bullock runs circles around her like she is charming in this thing she's cute she makes you laugh like i get it like, she, she plays dorky that. very well i don't yes. know laurie petty seems to always have a bit of edge yeah that's the thing about it yeah she's very yeah like i think it's a great, great way to do it yeah. yes tense and edgy and all that stuff and that's not yeah. the role you want for lena huxley she has to be the naive person who loves the 90s you know even though she lives in the 21st century you know, she's, she's the comedy sidekick in this yes and yeah. that's why it works so well i think this movie would be immensely like worse if Lori petty was in it and it's nothing against Lori petty it's just it's just not the vehicle for her it would be different yeah it'd be a different movie yeah she would i don't think she'd play off stallone as well and i who knows i mean because they say they left because of creative differences but that often means that you know she's not getting along with with one person or many people on set my guess would be maybe she wasn't getting along with stallone and they said you need to get out of here yeah Either way, I'm happy with the outcome of that because, yeah, this, I mean, this, this launched, uh, launched a career and, uh, you know, it, it, it made the movie better for it. And it made, it made a lot of money too. This one at the box office. Yeah. Like, for 1993, for 94, like $150 million on like a 50 to $60 million budget. That's Pretty not good. bad at all. It's a good return. Yeah. <laughs> Very big. Uh, yeah. Okay. So back to the movie here. After Zach Lamb suggests that uh, that John Spartan is the one who they bring back to help, uh, Lenny and Huxley pulls up some old footage of John Spartan. We get they get an idea of who John Spartan is, and instantly their police commissioner is absolutely against it. He doesn't want this caveman, uh, you know, thugging around <laughs> the future and, and you know getting his uh, his machismo in the in the future utopia mix. But he's I don't know how he's overruled. Like how do they land on Spartan anyway? Like. Because the the guy in charge seemed pretty against it. Like, how did he yeah. get overruled in that? You know? Yeah, it seems is, like this police force how is, that is, covered? Is, is run a little bit by committee. It seems like, or or right. I guess I guess it does fit to the character though, because it's supposed to be you know, the society of people who are not strong willed. So mm. everybody, you know, can talk a game, but nobody's really got the will. So this police chief. You know, he just, he says, I don't know what to do. We're outclassed by Simon Phoenix. And Raymond Cocteau says, yeah, do everything in your power. And that's when the Lena Huxley says, let's thaw out this guy. Let's, once again, let's just, you know, she doesn't say it directly, but she's saying, hey, let's, let's thaw out this maniac to catch this maniac. Yeah, pretty much. And, and the yeah. commissioner to uh, character actor Bob Gunton. You know what I mean? He's been in everywhere. As soon as you see his face, you guys will know him from something. Yeah, or you just hear his yeah. voice. Like, you'll, you'll be like, oh, yeah. my God, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, mm-hmm. most recently, uh, uh, the Daredevil series, like the first season of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. The most recent thing I'd seen him in. Yeah, I haven't seen that one, so. But 
he he's a good he's a good character actor himself. He he works really well. You still haven't seen Daredevil? I haven't seen it. No, and it's oh, it'll, man. one we, day, man, it'll happen. I'm gonna stick a great big old fat pin in this one. We need to fucking circle back around to this. Yeah. That is just ridiculous. So yeah, so uh, John Spartan, like he gets thawed out now, and he's yep. just learning all his little history. Like, hey, I don't know how long I've been under. Lena Huxley mm-hmm. tells him, yeah, you know, your your wife's been killed. Like, there was apparently there was a big earthquake in 2010. You know that right. wiped away Los Angeles and all, like basically the western eastern or western seaboard, right? And yep. that created the new society. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they tell him that, yeah, you are, you know, you're being paroled on the condition that you apprehend Simon Phoenix. And he's been brought right. back to active duty. And that's and when we Spartan's really get a little nonplussed about the whole situation. And it's there we find out, too, like uh, Sandra Bullock's character, Lenin Huxley, just drops everything on him all at once. We're like, you know, uh, Meat's been outlawed, you know, smoking, blah, 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 blah. And as this is going on, like, Stallone just very instantly just says the word shit, like, in a sentence. And you hear, like, a, a buzzer go off. And uh, you find out from the voice, like, in a, a ticket, fucking pops out of the wall. Like, you've been fined a few dollars, basically, for, you know, it's an adult swear jar, essentially. Essentially, yeah. On. And I, I love, yeah. like, how interactive this AI system is, man. Cause it's it's everywhere. Like, like, if you just say something out loud, yeah, it'll it'll notify you. And if you yeah. whisper it to yourself, it says mm-hmm. you are guilty of a sotto voce, <laughs> you know, yeah. which means, if you don't know, it's Latin for, you know, whispering, you know, something to yourself. Jesus. So, like, this thing knows what you're doing at all times. It's Alexa and Siri in one fucking little British voice. Yeah, if you've ever had the incident where you're just like talking in a room and then Google or Siri whatever says something and says, oh yeah, I'll find that for you. You get a little creeped out because you're like, god damn it, that thing's listening to everything I said. I didn't even turn it on. Why is this fucking on? It's kind of funny because this this movie is a little ahead of its time because they're using iPads in this movie. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah, you've got like that Face AI system going on. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's there's a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, is kind of relatable today. Yeah, yeah, that's a hell of a good point, too. All the weird little small, like, uh, you know, like electric sort of cars and all that shit, too. Yeah, and there's, you know, there's, uh, yeah, the electric cars. You got like the, the video TV or uh, video phones and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. You know, the mini discs, all that kind of stuff. It's well ahead of its time. Yeah. Oh man, the mini disc that came and went in the time this movie came out. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> it was here for like three years, and then it was also again. it was also the time because this same year another movie by Schwarzenegger came out called Last Action Hero, and that was supposed to be the big launch of like those mini discs, mini Walkmans. Oh, that's right. Yep. Boy, what a terrible movie that was. God, Boy. yeah, made made probably just about as much money, but was never critically acclaimed like this one was. No, or positively absolutely. acclaimed, I should say. I don't think it was critically. <laughs> Critically acclaimed. <laughs> well, I mean, technically, we're critics, and so we're acclaiming it right that's now. That's true. So that's true. Go. But we're we, we have a different <laughs> scale here. So. Very true. We're 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 at a tilt. So anyway, sure. yeah. Getting back to the movie here, we we pick up with John Spartan. He's at the police station, and yep. you know the cops like you know they're so inept. It's hilarious because they're just like, oh, what what will the computer tell us to do? Oh, the computer tells us that he will that Simon Phoenix will set up a drug ring and we will go nab him when he does this. And then the chief even chimes in. He says, I got to be in a better plan. We'll just wait till he kills somebody else and we'll go get him, right? Right. Yeah, they're just going to wait until he commits a crime. Like, okay, now we can go get him. But this is this is where I was talking about earlier. This is where Stallone really shows his, his uh, comic chops, man. He plays off against all these players, you know, these different bit players, you know, and responding to how ridiculous they are, you know. When the chief says, hey, we'll just wait till he kills somebody, he's like, 
great plan, good, you know, yeah, and plan. you just, you can't help but laugh at him because he's just, he's spot on with his timing in this movie. It's, it's hilarious. Yeah. I think that's where they really went right in this movie is that the supporting cast in this movie is rock fucking solid. Like, there's a lot of goddamn stars backing him up in this. Like, you know, Wesley Snipes, Sandra Bullock, you know, Benjamin Bratt also, fucking yeah. fantastic actor. He's just a, you know, he's just a, you know, another bit comedy player in this. God help you, you got uh, Rob Schneider doing a bit part in this movie. He's fucking, he's so goddamn annoying. He Jesus was, he was, Christ. this is this is when he was really famous, just off of SNL. Was it? Yeah, yeah, he was. He was Ugh. just. I think he was either recently quit or he was still on like the final years of SNL in the late nineties. Oh, it's it's because of this movie. That's why he and Stallone decided to ruin Judge Dredd. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. He was in that movie. I forgot. He was. God, they must have been you know really good friends. I don't know something. if you noticed. Uh, Jack Black was one of Dennis yes. Leary's uh, goons in this movie. Yeah, just a, a very bit, young Jack Black. He bit, looks like he's eighteen part. in this. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't yeah, even speak. You, you just see him smiling a few times. Yep. You blink and you really miss it. If you don't know you're really looking for him, you might right. see him and you might recognize like those eyes. But other than yeah. that, you know, you just, yeah, he does not look like him today. Nope. In and out. But I think perhaps the most 90s uh, cameo was Dan Cortez but <laughs> as the, right. as the lounge movie. singer. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's hard to explain. I think he... You'd have to be aware of MTV in the early 90s for anyone listening to this to know who the fuck Dan Cortez is. And if you're not aware, ask Grandma. She she might know. I think he was in an episode parents, of Seinfeld, maybe. too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was the backwards hat. But even then, you know, Seinfeld's like 30 years old at this point. That's, like, that's true. That's I don't true. think he's done, he hasn't done anything this decade that I'm aware of. You know I, I mean? Yeah, I'm pretty certain. Yeah, he, he may or may not be alive. Who knows? <laughs> Oh shit! Is he dead? I, no, I don't think he is. I, oh, I, I, I don't like, mean damn, anything dude. by that. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, yeah, he's just that dad unheard of. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. So. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> but we do. We did. This does take us to like one of the best scenes of this film, which I really enjoy. Is is like. This Spartan. is our, our second big fight scene between Spartan yeah. and Phoenix, right? because Spartan okay. just, like, he's obviously thinking just, like, logically. He says, no, this guy's not doing any of this shit that you think he's going to do. He just wants to go get a gun so he can start terrorizing people. And they yeah. and that's when they learn. It's like, oh, you, because all weapons have been outlawed, the only place you can view a weapon is in a museum. Which it seems like the natural place for it. Yeah. Well, yeah, to an extent. Would it, does it make sense to leave guns loaded <laughs> in a display case? I mean, how, what's in the museums around town now? You know what I mean? <laughs> Make you fucking wonder. Yeah. Like, I mean, like they could walk in there. Like, if they say, oh, well, it's all protected behind, like, bulletproof glass. Well, obviously, this isn't, isn't too bulletproof because you can just throw somebody through the windshield or the, the glass and it just a, a, shatters. A very medium-framed individual, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, right through. like, everything in that armory exhibit, man, has, like, gunpowder attached to it. The cannons on the floor are loaded yeah. and ready to go. Yeah, it's and, just and, ridiculous. And so as Simon Phoenix is going through the the Hall of Armaments or whatever it's called, he's uh, he's looking, he's collecting guns, he's collecting you know whatever he needs to do his nefarious deeds. And it's called the and Hall then he of gets Violence. Ready to come across like a uh, a few, he's like, where are the future guns? And he finds one, and like it's just got batteries in it and ready to go. <laughs> Like, that's another thing. <laughs> Which makes no sense. Like, But it's it interesting, though. It, that, that gun is actually built off a prototype or came off a prototype. It's like a German prototype that they came up with. It was supposed to be a weapon that was like kind of like a rail gun. It, it would fire caseless uh, shells and stuff like that. But I guess it Get never really Get the fuck worked. out of here, really? Yeah. It was, it, was, it was like a prototype they tried to make work, and it never really worked for them. So. Jesus Christ. But. Yeah, well, I mean, that's terrifying. Yeah, right. I mean, it makes you wonder oh what they got God. nowadays. Jesus. 
No thanks. So, so as Phoenix is uh, is having fun in the museum, obviously Spartan, you know, confronts him. Uh, he he brings Bender and Sandra Bullock along with him, but he makes them stay in the car. Basically, he's like, "Kids, you sit here." Yes. He, he goes in to take care of business, and demolishes the place. Yeah, and, and again, like they have an excellent fight scene together. Like it, it, every interaction these guys have is fucking solid. Like you know, there's solid quips, there's big punches, like there's just big explosions. I mean, it's no notes as far as any of the action scenes go in this movie whatsoever. Yeah, say what you will about uh, either of our leads in this movie, whether you like them or not. The the guys know how to do action, and they they do, they do a lot of their own stunts. You know, yeah. at times you know Wesley Snipes does a lot of his fight choreography and will do all that stuff. Yeah, stunt doubles will come in for some of the you know getting hit scenes, but you right. know, and Stallone's the same way. Stallone wants to, he. I, I give these guys credit when they want to go above you know, above and beyond to make their films look as good as they can. Because yeah, the, the fight yeah. scenes are a lot of fun. In this movie. I agree with you hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. That's excellent. Uh, so like, as you said, you know, they, uh, they destroy the museum and as Phoenix is making his escape, uh, he comes across Cocteau who is also at the museum for some reason, <laughs> just happens to be walking around yeah, like the yeah. downtown area by the museum. And this is when we get our first sort of indication that Cocteau is an on the up and up, is that he actually just reveals himself to be the one, you know, he tells Phoenix this whole plan. He's like, I'm the one who, you know, raised you from perdition or whatever the fuck, and, you know, you have to go kill Edgar Friendly kind of thing. Yeah, and we also get to meet our, our friend Otho, you know, from Beetlejuice. Oh, from Beetlejuice, yeah. Yeah, he's in there too. But. He is. I think that's the only thing I know that guy from, but I think he's Cocteau's secretary in this yeah. one, isn't he? Apparently, apparently yeah. in the novelization of this thing, he's actually a oh my God, eunuch. A book version of this? Yeah, is he really? Yeah, because they because you know Cocteau didn't want him to have any ambitions to do anything else. He wanted him completely, <laughs> like literally castrated. You know, is, so. is this based on a book or is the novelization of the movie? Well, there's some story behind that too. There, there's some gentleman who, who says that they ripped off a lot of his stuff, you know, from a book that he wrote. It's about two special forces people that, you know, end up getting in prison and end up fighting in the 22nd century and all this stuff. But he ended up never suing them because it was going to cost him way too much, you know, to take on, you know, Warner Brothers and all that. So, yeah, if you believe it, you believe it. If you don't, you don't. Um, Really? I don't think there's anything written in in Hollywood today that doesn't crib from somebody else's stuff. Right. Um, Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, I, uh, but I believe that it has a novelization for this film. So there's a novelization for almost every film out there. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't think I want to read that one. No, I wouldn't. I would skip that. I don't read novelizations of any film, so it, just, right. it doesn't interest me. Yeah. So anyway, uh, after Phoenix, uh, you know, has this interaction with Cocteau, he he splits, and then John Spartan runs into Cocteau, and at this point, Benjamin Bratt and Sandra Bullock they both come running back into frame as well because they're in this movie. Yes. And. Uh, Cocteau thanks John Spartan for saving him, and he invites him out to dinner at Taco Bell. Taco like, Bell. You know, and as as we come to find out later in the movie, apparently uh, the restaurants went to war with one another as well. Like, is that we understand this? In the, Taco franchise Bell the, the franchise wars. The like, franchise wars. Franchise. Like, there should be a spinoff movie about that. Like, I, yeah, I, I would love to see that. that. Yeah, Burger King and McDonald's go head to head. Yeah, You're like a full like you know in the cage kind of fucking match. Like you said, though, earlier, early on in this movie, uh, yeah, depending on if you were in the United States or another country, you know, if you were outside the United States, it was Pizza Hut, not Taco Bell that won there. Because surprisingly enough, I didn't know this. Other countries don't have Taco Bell. It's it's pretty much in the United States and that's it. I mean, if if you've ever eaten at a Taco Bell, you you want you know why. Yes. (laughs) It's not really food. 
<laughs> yes. I mean, Pizza oh, Hut, is that really either? But I don't know. They're all Pepsi products, so. It absolutely is not. No, yeah, I agree with you 100%. That is not food either, but I would argue it's more food than yeah, yeah, I agree. yeah. I don't know. I'll go here, at least yeah. there's lettuce and taco i don't know yeah they had to, they had to do some, weird discussion some digital work in the film and actually do some redubbing just to make that little change in there but yeah interesting yeah the, fun fact yeah and the the uk version too there's a like the it's longer by like two minutes like there's a an, an extra bit to the final fight scene but not nothing that really adds to anything. Uh, okay, uh, this is the one yeah. thing I do remember about this film, though, was the Taco Bell tie-in. I remember the commercials always showing up because if you went in there and you bought like a burrito and a drink and stuff, like they would give you a yep. free movie poster. And yep. I just remember every time you'd hear that, you know, Wesley Snipes is like Exactamundo. You know, he keeps saying that over and over in that commercial. It's it stuck yeah. with me all these years. Yeah. <laughs> So it's at Taco Bell. Like this is where we first are introduced to uh, to Edgar Friendly. Is like he and his his sewer rats. They come up out of the sewer and they they rob Taco Bell. Uh, they try to rob the Taco Bell food truck. And it, uh, we get another brief sort of John Spartan minor demolition man uh, moment. He only destroys a tent. And then he figures out that the people from the sewer society are only here to get food. And he confronts Cocteau about it. And you know more evil guy plans uh, are sort of unfolded. Yeah, throughout this like, whole he, dinner like, scene... You get the real idea of how Cocteau feels about the, the lessers of society as he deems them. Yeah, the purpose of purpose of this dinner is to kind of show you what the, what a shitty person Cocteau is and how he really feels about everything. He doesn't really care about other people. He cares about himself because he's... You know, even when it's explained that Spartan is explaining to him, he's like, no, I'm not unconscious when I was in the ice. I was completely awake, reliving this nightmare. I could see things going on around me. And the guy's like, oh, you were awake? And he's like, I don't think so. And he's like, oh, no, I was. And then he's like, well, it doesn't matter. You know, you're going back in the ice anyway. Right. So. Just blows him off. Like, ah, sucks. Yeah. You'll be back there in a week. Because he anyway. says, yeah, it's, it's, it's an unfortunate side effect. And there's nothing we can do about that. Nothing we can do about it. Like, great. Thanks very much. Yeah. Take my burrito to go, please. Yes. So yeah, we have the we have another good fight scene here where Stallone goes toe to toe with another excellent martial artist. It's really fun. Yeah, he, he disposes scene. of these guys pretty quick because these are not soldiers Super or fighters or anything like that. They are just people looking for food, and it pisses Spartan off to no end at that point when he realizes, yeah, yeah something else going is going on, exactly. on here, and I need to get to the bottom yep. of it. Because he also requests yeah. that Lavina Huxley gather video evidence of Cocteau walking around the museum. Because he's wondering right. the same thing, like why didn't why didn't Phoenix kill him when he had the chance, and we'll later learn that reason why. And we also get another reveal about the future. There is that as Stallone is in, or actually before he even gets to his apartment, he and Lenina have. Uh, she just asks him if they, uh, you know, if he'd like to have sex with her, and that's when you figure out, like in a very kind of PlayStation VR sort of headset way, is that everything's done virtually. Yeah, because sex is outlawed, reproduction is outlawed, so right. they have to figure out a way. Unless you go to a, yeah. like you have to do a, like an artificial sort of thing in order to, yep. to procreate, like in in you know the future LA. Which is and so that, that's when he very much you know in a very sort of Stallone hero kind of way he just tries to kiss her anyway, and she's like, "Get the fuck out of here!" So he he leaves, and then when he gets to his apartment, as he's reviewing the footage, uh, an interesting quirk. Of Stallone's character, like in halfway through the movie, it pops up. Like, there's no indication that he's been a frozen for quite a while at this point in the movie. Yeah, there hasn't been anything really going on with it yet. Uh, as he's watching the footage, he pulls out a ball of yarn, like someone left him a bag of yarn, and he starts just unspooling it as he's going. And then, uh, as he's watching the footage, and he, he kind of puts together 
that from the footage you can't really hear too much of the conversation in between Phoenix and Cocteau, but you you get the sense that Cocteau is very much up to something as far as Simon Phoenix is concerned. Yeah. Spartan picks up on that right away, and so it fast forwards to the next morning, and as an apology gift for overstepping the line with Anina Huxley, he knitted her a very lovely sweater, <laughs> and she informs him that this is part of his reprogramming, is in order to make him more dot more docile. They made him a seamstress, essentially. Well, it says it. They says like well, they figure all this out because they they figure out the perfect job that fits his genetic makeup. So somehow, <laughs> what, what does that mean? I don't get it either. Because like, yeah, the guy's like totally built like a goddamn tank, and they're like, yeah, right. the best yeah. talent you have is to be a seamstress. I mean, you must have like right. perfect fingers or something. But I mean, arguably there was something to it because he did make a nice sweater in just a couple of hours. Yes. Like he, he even he even gets pissed off at it because he's like, yeah, he's like, I don't get it. Like as soon as I got out, all I wanted to do is knit. He's like, I know what a, yep. what a hook and bobbin is. He's like, knows all these sewing terms <laughs> and everything like this. He can't figure it yeah. out. So, yep. and that's, but that's also as a part of it because he learns like, well, why do I have to do this? But Phoenix, like he comes out like 10 times stronger, knows all these languages. He can crack, you know, computer code and all He's this stuff. He's a hacker, stuff. yeah. And that's when it like the light bulb goes off and he says, hey, bring up his rehab plan and see mm-hmm. what's in there. And they, they find out, yeah, it's like they created a, a rehab program for Simon Phoenix that just essentially makes him a complete psychopathic monster. It was kind of like, uh, it reminded me of uh of the Street Fighter movie when Ralph Julius M. Bison was creating Blanca and they were just showing him all that horrible footage and he's like, oh, I love it. You know I can't I mean? believe you go back to that one. Jesus. <laughs> Instantly. I love, I have, fuck, hey, that's one of Van Damme's. Like, you know what I mean? I, oh. I fucking love that movie. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'll die on that hill. That is an excellent movie. Yeah, you're entitled to that opinion, man. You're, you're, live with it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Oh, okay. So where are we at right now? So at okay, this point, yeah, yeah I think Demolition yep, Man is, is going to go confront Cocteau now Cocteau. at this point and yeah. wonder what the hell's going on. And mm-hmm. yeah, so we get another confrontation. He pisses Cocteau off basically because he's basically saying, look, I know you're up to something and I'm going to figure it out. But the guy's like, no, you're not. You know, I'm going to put you back on ice and that's it. <laughs> right. No, you're not. It's like, okay, fine. Yeah. And that's when we they also get another meeting between Cocteau and Simon Phoenix as well. Right, because Phoenix... and, and, and Simon Phoenix then requests uh, basically like a mini army of uh, of other ne'er do wells, and just, just are, completely playing this guy. Like ice. these guys, it once again it, it goes back to this whole theme. Like everybody in this society is so inept. Even the architect doesn't understand yeah. that he is being played by somebody yep. who they cannot comprehend how devious this person is. It it kind of reminds me of real world situations like back during World War II, like when yep. FDR and Winston Chur- Churchill and Stalin all met. Like there are people who have been around FDR that they just, they understood. They're like, yeah, FDR had no idea how manipulative and how evil Stalin really was because he couldn't think that you know anybody could be that evil but that's what mm-hmm. simon phoenix is in this like he is that person that is just so malevolent that you can't even imagine that there would be a human out there that's like this so he's th- he's playing chess at all times right he's trying to figure out a way to you know he's playing the game of thrones essentially that's what i, I, I guess yeah. I equated as he's figuring out a way to take over the whole thing and he's figured out the perfect way to play this guy hey just thaw out some of my buddies because he knows they're not going to think head enough to to reprogram them to not be violent or protect me, they're just right. going to release them. So it, it goes know? back to what I said earlier. This guy had no idea what he was going to do after this guy kills Ed- Edgar Friendly. Like, how do you put this guy back in the ice? He, he had no plan yeah. for it. Absolutely. <laughs> had no idea whatsoever. 
And so uh, after he, he and Thaw's his army, we get a, a scene of uh, Wesley Snipes filling in his, his crew about what's going on. And uh, another kind of blinking you'll miss it cameo, which is surprising giving his his star power is Jesse Ventura. And his stature. Is, uh, I mean, just how the size yeah, of the guy. I mean. Fucking A, too. Yeah, it, it, you know, he, he's, uh, he's a background guy, but he's sitting at a table uh, laughing about them going to kill John Spartan. And now, apparently, come to find out later on, due to time, there was a fight scene in between Jesse Ventura and Stallone that was ah, cut from the movie. From the, that it didn't makes, make the, the final cut of the movie. That makes a little more sense why he would be in this film because it feels like yeah, right. he would have to have something. And I mean, Christ, he was in the Running Man and he got a, he got a one on one fight scene with St- or Schwarzenegger in that one. Yeah. Yep. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, because yep. he does. Have so a he real was supposed to have a fight part. scene, but it, it was very much cut. Like you don't even get to see how he dies in this film, right? No, I, I don't. It's not even shown really. Like he's only really shown that one time around the table, and then I don't know if we actually see him again in the movie at all. Yeah, because we get to a point where like Stallone and all of them have to go into the sewer and say like, "I gotta nail this guy, get get Phoenix before he gets put back on ice." So it takes yep. him down to the tour, uh, sewers, and he's got to find Edgar Friendly. And it's yeah. just like this point of the movie. I think this is where a lot of the stuff had to have been cut out because it just moves like a bat Pretty out of quick. hell. Like, yeah, yeah you're, basically you're down Stallone there. figures out right away. He's like, we got to get to Edgar Friendly because, you know, Cocteau sent Simon Phoenix to kill him, and I got to go warn this guy. He, so he, they go down there to do it, and that's when we learn a little more about, you know, what's going on in the sewers and all that. And then this is when, like, the, the third act really officially kind of starts. Like, you know, because uh, Simon Phoenix and crew then in, invade the sewers and, you know— Big action scene, and we didn't Huge even talk about this because this is this is right scene. before that Simon Phoenix and his gang kill Cocteau. They're basically like, oh, you know, oh what? yeah, that's right, yeah. Oh, but Jesse Ventura does that, yeah, because he's like, that's he's like, character. oh yeah, yeah, I can't kill him because you keep saying like, even even Simon Phoenix is like, you know what, you are more evil than me. You're, he calls him an evil doctor or Mr. Rogers, right? Mr. Rogers, yeah, and like he you wants can to see take, him take away people's rights to be an asshole. Yeah, is he's he trying says. to like he wants to shoot himself so bad, but then he's just like, you know, will you <laughs> kill this trying. guy? And just yeah, yeah, throws the gun over to Jesse Ventura and just blows the guy away. And they just throw him right on a, on the like the fire inside the damn yeah. office. God, that very was so Game terrible. Of Thrones move. Oh, very geez. Game of Thrones move. <laughs> and then Otho just like switches allegiance right then. And there, it's like, oh, I'll, help. I'll be happy to serve you. <laughs> yeah. And you know he kept them on. You know why not? He, he yep. knows the infrastructure. It's very hard. <laughs> Find confident help these days. So yeah, we're back Come in the on. sewers at that point. And this is yeah, yeah. And this this is where I feel like it's really weird because all of a sudden his gang just shows up. Simon Phoenix's gang shows up in the sewers, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden, yeah, we have this fight scene, a lot of gunfire going on in this in this scene. A lot of gunfire. And like, like so did Wesley Sipes just take all these guns from the from the museum, like that everybody I'm, has? I'm guessing he did. Because everybody's I mean even people in the sewers though seem like a few of them have. They're like, all packing guns. too though. Yeah. Yeah, they're all packing too. So yeah, they're they're having a gunfight, and then, but this gunfight really ends really quick. Like everybody just seems to fall out of the rafters, and then it's just like Simon Phoenix Simon saying, Phoenix "Well, runs away." Yeah, I like, got to get out of reason, here. Yeah, he just runs away, and he's like, "Ah, I guess they didn't need to kill this guy this bad." And he just starts running away. Well, it's at this point too that we get a big kind of Fast and Furious <laughs> sort of chase scene. Is that for some reason there's a there's some old car down in the okay. sewer, like but it, but it's it's one that Stallone really gets his, his his gander up for, like he's really happy about this muscle car. Yeah, I I have to play guy called bullshit in this movie now, like. <laughs> They're living it in the survived. sewers. They have nothing to their name. But here's this mm-hmm. shiny, pristine, super muscle car. This old Oldsmobile 70, 442. Yeah, Oldsmobile. Yeah. You know, like you couldn't have traded this for something. 
Right, yeah, but for it's just, like some cheeseburgers. You could take yeah. that Taco Bell and eat for nine years. It's sitting down there, and I'm just like, come on, guys. I mean, this is like, yes, it's a cool looking car. It's amazing. If you're yeah. if you're all into cars, you you are probably just creaming your pants at this point because you're like, oh my god, mm-hmm. this is the most amazing thing. But it's yeah. all it's all just like this is. It's all kind of a product placement because this is the one thing that this movie gets wrong is they assume that in 2032, Oldsmobile is going to be around. Right. <laughs> it wasn't too long after this that that, that whole product went defunct. Like yeah, GM womp, just womp. said, we're done with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it went the way of Pontiac. <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, yeah to catch- and how they even get gas for this fucker or like oil or par- like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just. Nah. Yeah. This thing's got a full tank of gas, man. They're they eating just... rat burgers, but yet they have enough fucking unleaded to fill up this fucking 50-year-old car. With an operational elevator to take it right up to an Oldsmobile dealership. Full working lift all the way up to street level, yep. In, like, which I love, though, it is an old Oldsmobile going into an Oldsmobile dealership in the future. Which right. I, I kind of like that part, but uh, other than that, it was kind of stupid. But, yeah, it does yeah, set up a pretty good little car chase. and An excellent uh, one. As I was watching this, so you know, Stallone gets out. He's going to get on top of the car, and Lena Huxley, she's got to be driving. And this is where yep. I, I couldn't remember which movie came out first. Did Speed come out first or this one? Because when she is driving that first. car, like she is doing the exact same thing she does in Speed. I mean, if you've seen Speed, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'll, kind of, I'll give you a quick yep. demonstration. She's like, she's like, I got, it, I got, it, I got, it, I can do it, I can do it. But like, she's doing that like to a T. I thought that they were just making fun of that movie. And then it wasn't until I went back and I said, oh, my God, Speed came after this. Was she making yeah. fun of that movie or is that just what she does? I mean, maybe it was like sort of like an inside callback kind of thing. Like maybe it, it, maybe she was trying to make it become a thing like I'll be back or something like that. You know? I guess. Yeah. I mean, because everybody Has else she makes done fun any of other it. movies where she drives like that and says that because I, I know in Gravity, she technically she flies uh, like space shuttles and shit. Yeah. She's kind she of out of control. Says in that those movie, words. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember her really doing that because it's a it's very quiet film that one. So, yeah, much different. I'm about to go back and check Sandra Bullock's movies now to see if how many she's driven in. See what you can find. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I maybe maybe miss congeniality. Maybe she drove in that one. I don't know. Very possible. (laughs) Yeah, I digress. So yeah, we're we're fighting this, and then yeah, so Spartan is he leaps from that car onto the police car that Simon from the Phoenix car, has stolen onto the the small you know electric police car. Yeah, that yeah, Phoenix and, is driving, and it just it's it's like yeah, it's very Action Jackson in a way where Action Jackson was on top of that car too, and you know he's trying to get thrown off, get shot at through the roof, all that kind of stuff, yep. and then and then they actually have an actual fist fight in, in the car, the car as it's at high speed, yeah. Like it, it looks like crazy. Like I don't know, it probably all fake, but like yeah, he's got Stallone hanging over the side, and he's like, yeah, I'm yeah. gonna give you a haircut, man. He's trying to he's push that guy into the pavement. Off the fucking, <laughs> yeah, off the ground as they're driving at high speed. It's so cool. Yeah, and then yeah, he ends up throwing throwing uh, Simon Phoenix out of the car, and then he for some reason like the car is just all fucked up at this point and can't stop. Yeah, like, this is a self driving car. It does everything for him, and yep. this is another great idea. Like this is probably some. Uh, idea that GM or somebody had for these cars, but when it goes and crashes, it just releases all this foam around you and then hards up so you can't be injured inside the car. Yeah, it's, it's they styrofoam your idea. ass into it. Yeah, but uh, uh, an interesting side fact though: all these cars, though, like those police cars, that was one prototype concept car that GM had, and they loaned it to really this. Yeah, to these guys on the film, they liked those cars so much they had the uh, the set operator that the, the 
the cost, not costume designer, but set set designers and all that stuff, make four yeah. more fiberglass ones so they could have really? them. And there was all sorts of other concept cars that GM had that, that they donated for this. I mean, millions of dollars worth of concept cars. Let them use that for this film. It's it's pretty crazy. Wow, that'd be cool. I guess I guess that's why they said, okay, you can advertise your Oldsmobiles, you know, in this film. Right. Well, hey, man, wait another nine years till it's actually 2032. And, you know, it might they might give away a car if you buy, like, you know, 40 fucking meals from Taco Bell. That's right. It's like kind of a weird punch card system. <laughs> yeah, an electric car with pure capacitance gel to, to drive on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But we're off to Not the finale the here. The movie. We are. And uh, so we're then revealed to, to Simon Phoenix's big plan is that he has a whole list of people. He's just going to unthaw every criminal he can fucking fathom and just take over the entire, uh, what, San Angeles uh, yeah. megapolis and then is from he there trying expand to out. build another army or is he just trying to yes. create chaos, like go the Joker route and just say, I'm going to release all these psychopaths onto the world and make the world a fucked up world again? My idea was build the army in order to, to have chaos ensue. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so in, in the way, it's very much like Joker in the Dark Knight. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna create chaos, but I'm also gonna control things. Yep. Yeah. Okay, I get that. So once again, ahead of their time, they're they're at the cryo prison, uh, unlocking prisoners left and right, and then uh, you know, you get uh, John Spartan. He, he finds his beret. Sending man, catch a maniac. And yep. Nice callback. He goes for him. bearing in, and he starts fighting his way from through goon after goon after goon after goon. <laughs> Until finally, we get the final big showdown with uh, with Simon Phoenix. And, and again, their fight chemistry is solid. Each fight they have is not boring in any way, or nor is it repetitive. Like they don't, really no. do, they're not doing like the same moves. Like each setting they fought in was different each time. Yeah, you're up in the, up in the game every time. Fight. I'm enjoying yeah. it. Up in the stakes every time too. Yeah, it was amazing. And they got like machinery involved in this fight and stuff. Like very T two kind of feel to it with all the steam. Yes, it's shit and and, and just everything's and, silver and and yeah. all metallic and stuff like that. Yes, very yep. much so. Yeah, it's a very cool scene. And then uh, as we come to the to the last part of the scene, like it, to what we understand is that Simon Phoenix he's getting ready to kill uh, John Spartan, but what he doesn't realize is that they're they're covered in in the in the cryo goo, and and so what. Uh, in order to defeat him, finally, uh, Stallone, like, there was a line in the first part of the movie where Simon Phoenix says, is it cold in here? Is it just yeah. me? Like, before he, he torched up the entire living room, he was sitting in that was full of explosives. Well, uh, John Spartan then drops that line on him, and then he's got a little vial of the Sub-Zero essence himself, so he smashes it on the ground at Simon Phoenix's feet, and somehow he's quicker than ice. He actually yeah. gets up off the floor before he's frozen himself. Like, and uh, he jumps onto the, this uh, robotic this big arm. rotating contraption, yeah, yeah, something like that. And as it's spinning around, like he's watching, Simon Phoenix literally freezes from head or from toe to head, like he is an entire fucking frozen block. And then, uh, in a very cool move, as he's coming around, uh, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, John Spartan, uh, he winds up a leg for a kick, and naturally, what he says is. Heads up, and he yep. fucking kicks Simon Phoenix right in the head, and his head just goes frozen block flying right off. Well, it's and it's funny you you mentioned it just a little earlier. It's very Terminator like. This was a scene <laughs> from 1992 Terminator, uh, Terminator Two, where yep. the the T one thousand gets frozen with liquid nitrogen, and yeah, yeah, Schwarzenegger has a one liner and then blows him to shattered pieces too. So yep. yeah, nice callback. I think, you know, they, they were definitely looking at that and saying, yeah, that looks cool. We're doing that in our like, movie. Oh, we're doing that. Yeah. What year did T2 come out? Was it before 92? 
Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah it, was it was before this movie. Huh, man. Yeah, and then the, just still still from the best, I guess. So you get to the end of this movie where, like, okay, so once this happens, everything's freezing. The whole cryo prison starts to go up in flames, right? Yeah. So, so <laughs> to what I'm, I, the way I took it from that is that uh, all the bad criminals are just they they're dead now. Yeah, they got <laughs> they got smoke. Nothing to worry about whatsoever anymore. But this is I, this is where I feel like this movie may have run out of money because <laughs> that explosion at the end of the flame just shooting out there looks so Lame. terrible. I mean, it looks like if you were watching the Sci-Fi Channel today and you saw yeah. some movie with that kind of on there, it's that bad. It's so flat. You could do and better in looking. fucking iMovie on your phone. Yeah, than this, what they did in the fucking finale. This is one. a movie that just at the start of this podcast, I'm praising to all hell for the explosion mm-hmm. of the building they made. Big. You know, yes, it just, and real. For, as compared to this yeah. one, it's just like, oh, this is all totally fake. This just looks <laughs> wah, horrible. Wah. It's it's the yeah. one thing I have to knock against this this movie is that last bit of special effects they had in this film. It's, it's just That's terrible. Pretty yeah, and then we get sort of a plot wrap-up uh, of sorts, is that the <laughs> the sewer people, uh, they're now done living underground, and since Cocteau is dead, the police chief... And Edgar Friendly are going to form some kind of a weird alliance and try to get society back to the utopia that it was in 95, I'm guessing. Yeah, but it wasn't really a utopia back then. Right. It seemed pretty anarchic or like, you know, chaotic and and Yeah, like basically what what, what they're aiming for is like the way John Spartan puts it is like, you get a little dirty, you get a little cleaner and somewhere in the middle. And then he's like, I don't remember my lines. We're fucking done. And yeah, just, I was, that's just the end of the movie. Like, I was waiting, because they're all kind of standing there. I was waiting for everybody to just turn the camera with a thumbs up, you know, and just go, right. yeah, like 18 or jump, kind of freeze frame, some kind of shit. Yeah. Yes. Like it, yeah. It, it does feel very much like it's just kind of tacked on. Hey, I'm done with the movie. We're out yeah. of here. And then they got to yeah. do the, you know, the cheesy, you know, grab the grab the girl, flip her to the side, and, you know, give her yeah. that, that long kiss, you know. Jesus. It's... It, it feels. They could have just left cheesy. him as friends. So yeah, that that felt pretty forced. You know what I mean? It's like, what's this about? Ah, uh, yeah, you you can't do that. Like, I got, I said on the last podcast that it is a trope. You have to have the guy, the hero, get the girl. Um, you know, especially back then because it's always the guy who's the hero and it's not the woman. Even though she she flatly and very much convincingly turned him down previously. Yeah, but he's until, like, I'm gonna give it one more shot. But it's until the end that she realizes, like, oh, I've just killed somebody. Uh, you know, yeah, I guess life's yeah. worth living. I guess. Yeah, yeah, the world's not quite black and white as we thought it was. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, we'll give it a try. So. End scene. Oh no! And then okay, th- th- there's one final callback. Like the movie tries to end on a on a comedic note. Is that uh, when John Spartan first sort of thaws out, he, he's got to go do some business. Oh, yeah, He's got to go make some number twos. And we're introduced to one of the weirdest concepts of the movie that's never, ever addressed again. No. And to this day, I still try to think about, like, how it's even put to use. Is that there's no more – because it's such a wasteful endeavor, and it is. It, look into it. It's fucking yeah, – it's it is. just it so is atrocious. Toilet paper is now fully illegal in 2032 San Angeles. And so in order to – to clean up afterward now in the place where the toilet paper would be, there are just three silver seashells sitting on a shelf. Yes. And as it leads to one of the funnier scenes of the movie is that they're trying to explain to John Spartan how to use the shells and, you know, no one really tells him how. Uh, so then he figures out if he starts cussing a lot, he gets ticketed. So then he just drops a whole bunch of, of shitty words by this, uh, you know, by traffic ticket Alexa, basically. And fucking yeah, he, said, he says duck fuck. It's great. Duck fucking, yeah. <laughs> fart flush and like it. Very Sylvester 
kind of fucking language you'd expect. Uh, it gets a whole handful of wipes, and then, you know, he goes to wipe his butt the old-fashioned way, like a caveman with some paper. And then, uh, so, wrap back to the end of the movie here, is that after he kisses Lena Huxley and they're walking off, uh, he asks her, how do you use the three seashells, basically? And then, you know, end credits. Yep. And it's never addressed again, not like in a, in a post-credit scene. Like today, there would be a post-credit scene where he would, we would be outside the bathroom door and you'd hear him be like, oh, that's how. Like there would yeah. be some sort of fucking fun tag, but it's just dropped. And I still, I can't figure out like how or why, like what's, it's just, it's such a mystery. Yeah, it's, I don't think, I don't think there's an answer day, for right? it. Like you, right. it's, it's hard I to still, come up with something. I, you know, the, you mentioned a theory and like, you know, I had seen others, and none of them really... <laughs> satisfactorily makes sense in my mind that you no. would use three seashells for that. No, I, like I always thought it was like buttons that they could push, but I guess not. No, it's actually oh. just seashells sitting there on the shelf, but yeah, it makes no sense. I uh, thought, you know, in a sort of like in a magic ring sort of way, like if you assemble them, it becomes sort of like a, like a Harry Potter sort of contraption where maybe, it unfolds and there's like then, a wellspring of like mists or something. Then it just do. opens up a whole other bag of problems. Like, how do you clean this? <laughs> this is a public yeah, bathroom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all is it one use stuff. only. Like, what is this? Yeah. There's just, man, so many questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, some things are just left unsaid, you know, left. Yeah. Left unsolved. Some mysteries are, are better left that way. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I don't know what quantum physics is either, so why do I know why you use seashells to wipe your ass? Yep. Yeah, don't need to know. Yeah. I, the no. world still goes on, so. Yeah. But overall, final thoughts. I mean, this is oh. so much fun for me to, to watch this movie again. Really fucking enjoyed it. I, yeah, I agree. I could not recommend this higher to anybody. Like, yeah. if you like Stallone films or you just like any action films, like, this needs to be on the top of your list of movies that you just want to go back to. Uh, yeah, for because sure. it is just—it's fun, it's action-packed, it's charming. It—you know—you will smile, you will like laugh, you will—you will cringe at some of the stuff that happens in this thing. It, it just works on all levels. I—I I can't see a thing wrong with it. Like they're, they're, okay, I pointed out a few things that I didn't like about this movie, but overall, this movie is—you know. Close to perfection as an action film from the eighties and nineties can be. It's just—that's It's just that good. That's pretty fair. And also, this it gets a pretty good review from Stallone himself. He says this is probably one of his favorite action films that he did. It's one of his Does he really? Ones. Yeah, he, he appreciates this one. Apparently, it is good. Yeah, this was a film that uh, like allowed Stallone to be Stallone in his character, basically. You right, know? yeah. And so that I think that's why he likes it. You know, it shows who he really is, but it, it was a successful film. So I think that's why he really likes it. You got to imagine if this movie came out like in the last ten years, like it would, they'd already be on part three. Like, they, oh, yeah. I, I would have felt they'd have tried to franchise this one quicker than shit. Yeah, this would definitely have been a a trilogy at minimum. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, this may get a remake somewhere down the road. They remake everything in Hollywood, so oh, who knows? We, we I don't know if they it. could. They'd have to completely read it, like almost like the Total Recall remake. They do a Colin Farrell, oh, it was completely different than the original. Oh. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't hold up. You haven't seen that one. Yeah. I, don't, I don't recommend you go see it, if you, especially if you loved a Schwarzenegger one. Don't go see yeah, that one. Yeah, that's a rough watch. Yeah. That's a real rough watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a movie I will go back to routinely. Like, when you mentioned it last week and you said this was on, I was like, oh, boy, I can't wait yeah. to do it. And I was not disappointed going back to this thing. Like I said, I've seen it many times. Every time I've seen it, I, I expect it sometimes, like other movies, just to be like, eh, I didn't like it as much. This movie has never let me down. It's just, it's so much fun to watch. It holds. It's very entertaining. 100%. Top to bottom, very entertaining movie. And like you said, too, like, it goes quick. Like, I didn't realize it was two hours long. Like, yeah. 
That's absurd. But it it flies. Yeah, it's like just Aaron Sorkin would be he'd be breathing heavy fucking watching this shit. You know what I mean? It goes so quick. <laughs> oh. oh man! So speaking of real quick, I, I, I wanted to touch on this since uh, as we as we're doing this right now, the uh, the Mando season three finale will be airing uh, within a few hours. So we got episode seven, major turnaround for me as far as. Uh, <laughs> We're at episode six on top. Episode seven was very good. A lot of surprises. Paz Vizsla going out like that. Mando getting captured. Like, man, it's there's a lot going on in oh. coming into this uh, finale here. So do we, is there going to be a fourth season or are they going right from this to the Mandalorian movie? I don't know. I mean, this, this is maybe because I've been reading people's theories out there. Because uh, some people are saying, is this the death of uh, Din Djarin? Is he going no. to die in this next episode and they can't have him? And and yeah, and this will build oh, on, you know, shit. maybe Grogu picking up the Darksaber or something. I, I don't, like, honestly, I don't buy into that theory. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, they can't do a Mandalorian movie without Pedro no. Pascal. Man. There's no, no. way. It's it's just he's he, the move the, the show and as we discussed last week on this, it's much better when it is about him. I can yeah. appreciate what the story they're telling right now because they are they are definitely building up to the big bad here. I think we're gonna get a tease of Grand Admiral Thrawn in this next episode, this finale. Oh, that'd be so cool because that's gonna set up the Ahsoka series. Yeah, and then all that is gonna culminate in Filoni's film. Where it's going to be that Avengers style level where everybody's got to fight Thrawn for the you know <laughs> the future of the galaxy until we get the next Star Wars uh, yeah you know, series up there. So and Ahsoka comes out in August, so we we do have a few months to wait here until we get some answers about yeah. this. I guess so. This is oh, definitely going to set something up, and you're and we're going to be left wanting that Ahsoka show to come out sooner than it right. does. Because man. man, I mean that. Yeah, you're right. That last episode, there's so much happening there. Like, I didn't think Pazvila was going to die. I thought he was going to be still like, you know, always going to be that enforcer behind whoever was the leader. But man, I had him. I thought he was going to be some kind of an imperial traitor. Did you? Like, I was. Okay. I was watching him. I was really watching him. Very like, I was ooh, like, this motherfucker's going to betray somebody. I know it. Like, he felt like he was going to be a double crosser to me. So the one, okay, I, I never thought that because I always felt it was too obvious. But the one theory that everybody else has that I'm actually getting on board is, is I still think the armor is going to be a traitor. Oh, dude, that, well, that would fucking hurt. Yeah, apparently some people reading, and I don't know about this because I never watched the Clone War series. But apparently they, they're, su- they're suspecting that she could be one of those characters who was a Mandalorian um, that was really uh, uh, devoted Imperial. Uh, yeah. to, yeah, I don't know if it's Imperial or... Uh, Darth Maul when he took over. I don't know if it's from Star Wars oh. Rebels or from the Clone Wars, but she might be one of those characters because they're saying, oh, in the cartoon they have the same color uh, chest plate, and you know they have they both had horns on their helmet and all this stuff, which is supposed to be loyal to Darth Maul and all this crap. So I don't know if I'm going to go that far to say that that's what this character is, but I do think that she is a a traitor. I think that she's going to oh, be the one no. person who's been working with it because. There's a couple of characters in that last episode. The, the episode was called Spies. And yeah. There's a couple of episodes, especially those people they found on Mandalore, who just so- somehow just took them right to the ambush. Yeah. For so sure. I, oh, I, damn it. And one of those, did you know that was Skinny Pete? One of, one of those uh, yeah. Mandalorians. Took, yeah. Took I was pretty excited when I saw it that. To catch that. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it right away. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Skinny Pete's a Mandalorian. So, uh, obviously, he's got to be up to no good, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
Well, I don't know, but he was he was pretty trustworthy with his own crew. So true, maybe he's true. Mandalorian ride or die. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe he is too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I hope the best for all our characters. But yeah, somebody obviously in there is going to be betraying them. Like I said, I think it's the. I think it's the armor because she's the one who doesn't get caught down down on the ground floor. She goes up. Yeah. She's got a convenient excuse to get the hell out of there. I think she's going up to sabotage the, the fleet from inter- from the inside of the ship. Oh, and man. I think that's what it's up. So, I, yeah, I'm wondering, is this season, like last season ended on that, such a high note of Luke coming in there and saving the day. Uh-huh. You know, very Star Wars ending. Oh, Are we is this their empire? empire? Yeah, are we getting that ending where everybody's just beaten down, and we got to set up that that season four that's going to lead us in to the or or maybe they just fold in you know whatever kind of plot points they have to wrap up into Ahsoka, and we just we don't get any more din until the movie. I mean, that's a good call too. I mean, I've I've been wondering. Yeah, are are we going to see the end of Moff Gideon in this thing, or does he does he still survive this thing? I, I I if they introduce Thrawn, I don't see Gideon surviving. I, I, I think I, I'm going to go with that as well. I think that yeah. he will probably die in this this episode as well. Yeah. Um, he, he's not completely covered in Beskar. He's got some weak points, just like all his uh, his Beskar-coded troopers. So Yeah, which I, were so cool, right? And those Praetorian guards, dude, man. Oh, man. So The way Paz Vizsla actually died in this episode was rough. Man. And, okay, and say, I know that you're not a fan of uh, The Last Jedi, and that that's a movie that I've gone back and forth on. Like, I remember loving it, and then hating it, and then going back again and loving it again. <laughs> but it, I don't care who you are. The one scene from that movie that everybody has to love is yeah. that throne room scene where Ray and Kylo. Kylo Ren fight the Praetorian Guards. It's pretty badass. Hands down, it is one of the best fight scenes <laughs> in all of Star Wars. It's pretty badass, you know, yeah. So, like, when I saw them, those characters come back, I was like, yes, I, these yeah. are characters I want to see, and it didn't disappoint, because they were just, and they are just vicious, man, the way they're sticking those blades into him. Oh. Yeah. Like, you felt bad for him. Yeah, he got pretty fucked up. Um, okay, I will say this, like, given, like, what Ahsoka's doing with all the people from Rebels that they're bringing in now and things like that, I did start watching Star Wars Rebels. I think you would feel differently about that one than you do about watching The Clone Wars. I've been, I, it's funny you say that because I, I've been looking about seeing, maybe I would want to start that because I've seen there's, there's some actual cool scenes in that, that I've seen on YouTube that makes me feel like I could almost enjoy that a little bit more than the random episodic episodes of the Clone I could Wars. give you, I could give you five episodes from the first season that you could watch where you would pick up on all the important plot points where you'd be like, okay, this is pretty, this is pretty fucking good. And at that point, you might watch the whole second season because then like in season four is when they do the war for, Man- for Mandalore. Okay. Do that. And, and this I, is also too like uh, Ezra Bridger, like the kid, like the, the young kid in this. Yeah, the young he, Jedi, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's only like a year younger than Luke and Leia. And this is a, like they think the show ends like a, a year or two two before uh, the battle for Yavin. So it butts up right against a new hope. Okay. Send, send me that list. I will start that way because yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't want to watch it, but at the same time, I hate watching the Mandalorian and not knowing where every, all these little callbacks are coming from. And I think I would get something out of it. That's the way I felt. And I just got done with the first season of rebels today. And I was like, this show is fucking amazing. Okay. Like, so better than the clone so wars. Cool. Okay. Yo, yeah. If it's yeah, better than man. the clone wars, I will give it a chance. Cause the clone wars is pretty much the absolute pits for me right now. Like, and, 
and too, given like Obi Wan and stuff, like it, you know, uh, Vader, not to spoil too, Vader's in the show, like the Inquisitors, like there, yeah. there's a lot of background to the things we're seeing in live action. Like this, yeah, really, I, I like, know there's a scene between old in. old Obi Wan and Darth Maul as well, so that that's already been spoiled for me. But like that's oh, the stuff that that's I a want shame. to see. Yeah, yeah, that's a real shame. Yeah, but yeah, pretty good. So yeah, I'll, I'll give you that list. You can check it out. But anyway, uh, we do have a ton of shit to watch. Uh, do we have another movie to watch yet, or we uh, we'll figure that out well, as we go? Well, I'm, I'm thinking that we should probably stick along the lines of some more Stallone. Um, okay. Because I I'm enjoying Stallone, and I'm on a Stallone high right now. I I think we should discuss one of his earlier films, and it kind of ties into what we were talking about before. Go back to the Canon Group. One of the few Stallone uh, films that he did with him, 1986's Cobra. I'm more than okay with that. Yeah. I think that'll be a fun one to discuss. It heads up to anybody who hasn't seen it. I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but I will say you're going to have a good time watching it because it's ridiculous. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's a lot of fun. And also, like, (laughs) that walks us into another Brigitte Nielsen. Oh, my God. Yes. She is uh, very much the co-star of that movie, along with Sylvester Sloan, because they were married at the time. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. What a fan. I can't wait. That's going to be a lot of fun, too. Oh, indeed. I'm ready for it. I can't wait. Uh, all right, everybody. But, uh, yeah, we're going to get out of here. Uh, please find us at our home on the web at adamsnerds.com. It's adamsnerds.com. But we got a lot of shit to watch. So, on behalf of Brian and Mary, we'll talk to you guys later. Peace. Mmm, delicious.